in the name of Jesus Christ, who's coming back to this world, coming soon, just as he said he would. And our task today is to be ready for him when he comes. My dear friends, you know, it would be awesome to be able to look into the future and know things that have happened, but yet be able to act on them now. Isn't it so? That's what the whole movie about Back to the Future was. You get in the DeLorean and you go rocketing down at exactly the right number of miles per hour and you go, uh, it can bump your head into the future. And then the cool thing is uh, you can do, what you can do is buy a sports almanac of all kinds of sports scores from 20 years later and come back and uh, do all kinds of gambling. Man, would gamblers love to have advanced information. They would know how to gamble. Man, we're, we're like gambleaholics in the U.S. Can any of you remember a time when the National Football League was against gambling on NFL football? Not only have they gotten over their distaste of gambling, are you ready for this? DraftKings is one of the seven official gambling sites and organizations connected with the NFL. You'll now see TV encouraging you to bet on your favorite teams and also to, uh, to try to use that information then to build up your, uh, your fantasy team as well. Well, gamblers would like to know what's going on in the future. So would ordinary investors. And certain people claim to have inside information and are willing to sell it to you. For the right amount of money, for instance, you can buy a subscription to a newsletter from the guy whose most recent book is called Dow 1000, 100,000. For those of you who don't track this kind of stuff every day, the Dow right now is at 36,000 and change. So uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average at a 100,000 point range, that is a big leap forward. But he will sell you stuff saying, go all in. Uh, We're just going to grow and grow and grow. And the market is going up, 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 up. On the other hand, there's somebody who would invite you to subscribe to his newsletter who says Dow 5000. In other words, run! (laughs) We're about this, this whole thing's about ready to blow. Everything's overvalued right now. So who's right? Don't you wish you could be a little fly on the wall on the New York Stock Exchange in 2035? and then be able to fly back through a time machine and then act on what you knew? Some of you are desperate to know if there is love and relationships and romance in your future. So there are psychics who will take your money and figure you out and tell you what you want to hear. Or there are tarot card dealers who will deal out your future and tell you what's going to be happening. Uh, Friday night, Carol and I had Chinese food and we each munched down on a fortune cookie and... uh, Thankfully, the fortune cookie knew our futures. Or not. Actually not. I think it's a scam. I think there's some little little old lady in an office somewhere who writes those fortunes up and then probably just runs them off on a printer and then they just put them in the cookie. They don't know me, right? They don't know you either. Wouldn't it be fun to get into the future and know what's really going to be happening. And it's not just for romantics who want to know if romance is coming, not just for investors, not just for gamblers, but what's going to be happening to us? What's going to happen to the human race? Nobody knows. 
No human being knows. The only being in the universe who has a glimmer of the future knows about it backwards and forwards because he's already been there. In fact, he's standing there now. For God, this is, I know this will blow your mind. God is simultaneously inhabiting all eras of human history, simultaneously, at the, everything at the same time. He knows what's going on in the future because it's not the future to him. It's God sees everything uh, in his ability to scan what's happening, not only sideways, but vertically as well throughout human history. So when God says, here's what's going to be happening, that is one newsletter you want to subscribe to and read. I'd like to share with you a little glimmer of the future of something you need to know about. This is more important than a psychic helping you find romance or a financial newsletter helping you know whether either to bet your money or to sell everything and run or where to place your bets on sports teams. This is what's going to be happening at the end of time when the the Lord God decides human history has had enough and in his own metrics decides we are ready for the transition. The day of judgment will come. This is earnest, serious business today and I don't blame you for not feeling in a chuckling mood. This is very serious business and a great portion of the human race is going to be caught completely unprepared and run around screaming at that time, thinking what idiots they were. Right now, I think a lot of people don't much think about it. The atheists, of course, don't think there is any such thing, not only as Judgment Day, they don't even think there's any such thing as God. They think the human race is all we got, and then when I die, I'm I'm done. That's it. The agnostics uh, are atheists with a happy face on. They they don't believe any of the stuff, but they'll say, if I see evidence, uh, then I will believe it. So they're still waiting, and of course, they still don't believe it. Some people think manana later. I'll worry about that stuff later. Because uh, right now I got too much stuff to do. Some people think I am not worried. I, uh, I am not a bad person. Okay, I'm not perfect, right? Everybody always, when, when people want to brag about how good they are, they always say, well, you know, I'm not perfect. Meaning, what do you expect? It helps to compare yourself to somebody else, right? That's a good way to go into judgment day. Well, I might be... Uh, I might be a sinner, but I'm better than her. Com- you know, comparative just self-justification. A hint to you, that does not work. God's not interested in comparing you to somebody else. Or lowering the bar. You know, even the biggest out-of-shape geezers who can waddle up to a high jump, if you lower the bar low enough, you can get over the bar. So redefining God's laws and expectations to get the bar so low, even us um, uh, out-of-shape old guys could waddle up to it and step over and still be able to say, I just jumped the high jump. I just jumped over that bar. Except the bar is dazzlingly high, and God doesn't... There's no mulligans for this. There's no do-overs. He's coming, and you are either ready or not. This is truly a ready-or-not moment. 
Some people think, well, I'll get a good lawyer or I'll find a way to game the system. There's always a system, right? I'll find somebody to bribe. I will work the system. I'll use my wits. I'll talk my way out of it. I'll flash my charming smile and I'll remind God, you're supposed to be nice and forgiving. You're supposed to love everybody, right? Here is what's really going to happen. I'd like to invite you to take your Bible out and open it up to Revelation chapter 6. The book of Revelation gives a lot of Christians fits. It is very different from the other books of the New Testament. It is not stories, or mostly not stories, like the Gospels of things that happened and the book of Acts. It's not letters with doctrinal teaching in it, mostly. What it is, is a series of dreams. And just like in the dreams that you can still remember when you wake up, they are wild and there's no limits to what possibly could be happening. They are pictorial ways to teach you things, but really very simple. Revelation seems excessively complex, only if you think every vision tells a different story. Revelation is dozens of vivid pictures basically telling one story, the war between Christ and Satan. That's all it is. That's it. It's act one. It's horrible. Act two, Jesus wins and returns. Act three and, and, and onward, we're happy in heaven. That's it. That's all there is. Everything else just adds vividness and some level of detail to things that are going to be happening. God has seen it all, not only seen it, but planned it. The book of Revelation has a series of amazing visions, each of which have fairly simple messages tucked into them, made vivid so that you can remember them. But it, at the core of Revelation are four bundles, I call them movies, of, of four groups of seven things. Four sevens, so it's like 28 pictures in all, like a series of uh, short videos of things that you're looking at. There are, uh, beginning here, the seven seals, seven trumpets, seven plagues, as you can guess, those are really ugly, and seven bowls, mostly also very ugly. The bowls are bowls of misery that the angels are going to dump out of heaven onto the earth as part of God's anger and judgment upon a creation that has mostly rejected either his creative work, his redemptive work, or his claims on them at all. So these are, there are four cycles. These are the heart and core of the book of Revelation, these four cycles. And I'd like to talk to you um, for a little bit about the first cycle, the seals. This is not um, zoo seals or like circus seals, you know, that will honk a little horn for a fish. These are seals as in extremely important locks that nobody has the right authority or ability, actually ability, to open. It is information about the future that only God knows and only the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, has been entrusted with the right has earned the authority and has the ability to open those locks or seals on these scrolls. And here's six things you need to know. 
it seems like it's way too complicated. Really, it's the first four are just talking about that conflict. Remember I said Revelation's message is really super simple. War, return of Christ, peace. That's it. That's all there is. These first four are about the struggle. The fifth is hope for the strugglers. We're going to read that a little more thoroughly. And then the sixth seal of information to unlock is a... uh, Another way of expressing what you heard Pastor Hine read a few minutes ago from the Gospel of Mark, where Jesus said what it's going to be like as the universe is disintegrating upon the return of Jesus Christ to this planet. We're going to skip over the first four because time does not permit. Suffice it to say that these first four scrolls that have been unlocked by Jesus show four different things happening. These are the famous four horsemen. One on, they're all on different colored horses. Very simple meanings to it. The white horse, probably Jesus, or arguably could also be someone masquerading as Jesus, but it's the, the conqueror on, bent on conquest, wearing a crown. I'm going to assume that's Jesus. And then three ugly horses. A red one, which represents war. A black one, which represents a decomposing human body because of famine. Uh, so that, ex- that explains the voice that you're hearing. Extortionate prices for food because of, of famine, often as a result of war. And the third one, a pale horse. Interestingly enough, I think Clint Eastwood had a movie, Pale Rider, didn't he? I wonder if that's an allusion to this pale horse. Uh, the Greek says a hippos chloros, means a, a horse that's sickly pale green. It's the color of disease. We have the word pallid uh, from pallor. It means you're deathly sick. The thir- this third evil horseman brings disease. So this is news. First of all, it's no surprise to you. It's not really news. It's painful knowledge also in that as long as you live, these three riders are riding around trashing the world. You are trying your best to live in and make your way through, but you can't shake these off. There is famine. There is a a very uh, inadequate distribution of food resources in the world. And some people struggle to eat day after day. You know that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Your grandchildren are going to have to live in that same world. Yes, there's war. People just can't stop killing one another. They find things that they think are worth taking someone else's life for. And it just never stops. You'd think that the U.S. gives up and Afghanistan now is run by the Taliban. So finally, that nation's back at peace, right? Apparently not. There are insurgencies that are now tormenting the Taliban in Afghanistan, just as they used to torment the Afghan national government and military. It just never stops. It's because the world is broken. Satan's got his hooks everywhere. And Satan is assisted by legions of helpers, The evil angels who are now his demons working for him. Satan also has thousands, hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of human agents doing his nasty work. So this is a heads up. Do not expect utopia. Do not expect heaven on earth. We all try so hard to get stuff under control to eliminate want and suffering in our lives and among our families. 
We try to hook up with a stable job to have a stable income, saving up money, building up financial reserves in case of shocks. We try to get good medical care and keep our health stabilized. But man, the shocks just keep coming, don't they? It is a struggle just to survive. And one of these days, a punch is going to come that will knock you right off your feet. And we are vulnerable in so many different directions. Do not be surprised is the point. Now, let's look at seal number five and six. You might think, after how grim that was, I don't know if I can take anymore. Read this one. Here is some good news. The fifth seal is a really unusual little mini video of a conversation being held in heaven. The Apostle John writes in Revelation, I saw under the altar, this is heaven, the heavenly temple. I don't know if there literally will be an altar. We sure enough will not need to burn animals anymore. The Lamb of God, Christ Jesus, has been slain. His blood has washed us clean. So there will not be an altar of burnt offering anymore. So this, we'll see what God has in mind when we get there. But the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God. In other words, martyrs for the Christian faith. But even though their bodies were killed, their souls are still alive and that, uh, because of the testimony they had maintained. And they called out in a loud voice, making sure God could hear them. How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true. So we trust in your holiness. You're not screwing this up. And you're true. We trust you're keeping your promises. So we remind you of your holiness and truth. How long until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? So there is no justice. Evildoers get away with everything. When are you going to bring about justice? You tell us not to judge. You tell us not to retaliate. You tell us to turn the other cheek. Is there ever going to be justice? And there, this is a lament of those souls who are waiting but look at this. Each of them was given a white robe. There, there. Wear, wear your uniform. Wear the clothes that were bought for you. And they were told to wait just a little bit because there are more coming. Your ranks are not full yet. God wants heaven to be a little fuller. There are four extraordinary things in that paragraph that I kind of hope your eyeballs just kind of went just like that because they're so unusual. First of all, here is proof that you don't go into a sleep when you die and you stay asleep. Your body is put into the grave or cremated, goes into the crematorium, whichever. But your spirit or soul lives on, goes to heaven, and is able to communicate with God. And you have an existence because... As God has designed us, our soul or spirit does not need the physical mush of your brain for data retrieval. You have access because, and I, it wasn't until the last 10 years that it dawned on me how this was possible. I used to think, how could you have memory if your brain has disintegrated in the grave? Because that's the only storehouse of memory you have. Not so fast, Mark. I learned from the tech industry of a little old thing called the cloud. You have Bluetooth and you didn't even know it. You've got God's broadband in your brain and all of your memories, all of your data is in the cloud. I mean literally in the clouds of, of heaven. 
So for God to restore your personality without the physicality of 2.2 pounds of gray sludge between your ears is no problem for God. He can help you access all that information. And apparently the Bluetooth in your spirit body is able to retrieve it and you have some way as a soul or spirit of expressing yourself and communicating. Isn't that cool to know? In other words, when you die, you don't die. That's what Jesus meant when he said, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He meant it. You will keep on going. Your mind will keep working and you will then have to wait. So for the souls in heaven, it does feel like a wait. Yes, they are aware of the passage of time. So thing too to goggle at is that's been 2,000 years. And God says, how, how do I measure that amount of time? How much time is that? He said, wait just a little bit. God thinks 2,000 years is like nothing. I guess compared to eternity, it is. Isn't that amazing that 2,000 years will seem like a couple of sleepovers? Amazing. Third, there's going to be justice. Finally, God is going to hold evildoers accountable for what he's done. And fourthly, even such evildoers as you and me, we've all contributed to the evil in the world because we inherited it, we're born with it, we're infected with it. We have declared our own rebellion against God because of it. We need God's forgiveness too. But here is a little reminder, you are given a new uniform to wear. When you show up in heaven with your tattered old rags and, and you have the grace and faith not to argue with God about how good you are. Instead, you confess that you are a beggar and you are grateful to receive the gift of the gospel. New clothes, how do you get them? You don't buy them or barter for them. Each of them was given a white robe. Here is the most astonishing thing. When you are talking to someone who's not been a Christian very long or maybe not been one at all, Unfortunately, one of the things that happens when Christians talk about their faith to people among their friends or in the community where they work or at their school or in some some community-type organization or activity, the conversation almost automatically starts with behaviors. Uh, Like, what what does your religion teach about this, about this behavior, uh, sexual behavior, or what's your views of the government? And, or blah, blah, blah. And we get into these uh, discussions or debates that go nowhere of God's expectations of human behaviors. Let me tell you what a dead end that is. If somebody is not connected to Christ and is not in love with the Bible, you're wasting your breath because they don't have the same platform of discussion that you do. What seems powerful and convicting to you To somebody else just says, oh, that's just you laying on me the rules of your sect, of your cult. Why should I pay any attention to that? The only conversation worth having with somebody who has never been very close to Christianity or maybe was and drifted away is the unconditional love of God expressed through Jesus Christ to upfront give people what they lack. And that is standing holiness and a future in heaven with him. Complete and full forgiveness 
up front. Yes, take the risk of fronting people, the treasures of God. You might say, well, they might disrespect it or take it for granted or misuse it. Yep, Jesus took that risk too. That's the only thing that's going to matter. Because if you quote a Bible passage to help guide somebody's lifestyle decisions, you're wasting your breath and you're only going to make it worse by making it seem that Christianity is all about keeping a bunch of rules, that it's a big rule book and only the holy uh, get to the glory. And in fact, most people uh, in the outside of Christianity will look at pronouncements like that and they can so easily nitpick the failings of those Christian talkers that it makes them look like hypocrites. What do I want to have anything to do with your hypocritical uh, cult? Get me out of here. I want, I'm, I'm looking for something, but it sure ain't you. Just talk about Jesus. They already know that they have guilt. Everybody's born with a conscience. What they don't have is Jesus. You are not born with anything in your brain about your Savior, Jesus Christ. That is external to you and must be revealed. So talk about the holiness robes that are given to you and you claim them through faith. That's all. That's all that's going to matter on that last day. Do not encourage anybody to think that my performance or behavior is going to matter. The sixth seal describes what that day is going to look like. An earthquake, the sun turning black like sackcloth made a goat here. The goats in uh, so the southern part of Judea are black, and their hair is black. So that the tents, uh, if you'd look at tents made of goat hair, it would look black. Uh, the goats here in Wisconsin are a different color. Uh, so the sky is going to lose its light. The moon turns blood red. Imagine how creepy that's going to look. The stars and the sky fell to earth. The entire cluster of stars, 50 billion times 50 billion. There are 50 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy, and there are probably 50 billion galaxies. There are more stars than we have numbers to be able to count them. And God is holding them in their tracks right now so steadily that the movement of stars above us, or the way that the earth spins, is they're usable for navigation because they're so reliable. But when God lets go, they're all just going to fall like a cluster of pebbles thrown in the air. They're just going to fall back to the ground. Imagine how scary that's going to look to see the night sky and the stars winking out and disappearing. They're going to fall like late figs drop from a fig tree. The sky receded like a scroll. You know what happens like when you pull a window shade down and then you let go of it all of a sudden and it goes. That's what it's going to look like when the sky, which is right now like our dividing line between us and heaven, is going to go and we're going to see everything as it really is. See behind the veil. See, that sky is like a curtain keeping us from looking into heaven to see what's really going on. Well, everybody's going to get a look at the lamb at that time. And man, they are not going to like what they see. They're going to run to the mountains because they think the mountains will hide them. They're going to run to islands because they think islands are safe, but those are going to disappear as well. All the mighty kings of the earth, princes, generals, rich, the mighty, slave and free human beings alike, hid in caves and among the rocks. 
And they said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Isn't that a crazy phrase? Have you ever been scared of a lamb before? Doesn't this almost want to make you start laughing at how implausible that sounds? Wrath of a lamb. Uh, You see a tiny little animal on four skinny little legs, able hardly to walk straight, uh, looking around for her mommy. Uh, Are you scared of an animal like that? Heck no. This lamb, though, is not going to look meek and mild. Will come blazing glory and demonstrating power, issuing the commands that are causing the physical universe to collapse all around us. The great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? So that's seal number six. Here now are two glimpses into the future, and this is for real because it involves people who've lived there. The peak into heaven that there is an army of believers gathering there, waiting for you to arrive. That we live on after we die on this earth, though our body fades away, our soul lives on in heaven, waiting for the day when they get their bodies back until with soul and body we will inhabit the new heaven and the new earth. So they are waiting for us as we are waiting for them. And the sixth seal is a fear and trembling inducing look at how awe-inspiring the day of Christ's return will be. But don't be afraid. Here is the secret. Don't let it be all about you as you are pondering how you feel about the return of Christ. Realize you're going to have to let go of everything physical and tangible. The only thing you can take with you into the next life is yourself and other people. Everything physical will perish, will be remade. You will, in the long term, you will not gripe at what you're missing, for God will give back to you far more than you might fear that you are losing. But take this seriously, because it might be today. Be respectful of the judging activity of the Lamb but also embrace and welcome what the lamb, why he's called the lamb, because he bled to death in order to buy for you and me what we could never achieve, the forgiveness of our sins, the favor of God to smile on us, and immortality with him, that we will not have to run around saying, hide, run, it's the lamb, instead of running from the lamb. We can run to the Lamb. Let him put our new uniforms on. They're going to look really good. You will finally see yourself as Christ sees you, holy and pure, wearing those beautiful robes. And we will be able to join the most awesome family reunion ever. You will reclaim all of the believers who've gone ahead. And we'll get them back forever. This is Christ's gift to you. Respect that last day, but don't fear the last day for Jesus, who's coming, is our judge, but he's also our Savior. And when you're connected to Christ, there is no condemnation, Scripture says.
Jesus, your blood and righteousness, my beauty are, my glorious dress, midst flaming worlds in these arrayed, with joy I can lift up my head. Amen. This message was a production of St. Marcus Lutheran Church. For similar content, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or our YouTube channel. For more information about how to support our urban gospel ministry in Milwaukee, please visit stmarcus.org.